Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Kelly, and Kelly is going to share her two birth stories with us. So do you just want to start us off with an introduction? Sure. Gosh, okay, so what year is it? I turned 37 in August, and I had my second baby in July, day after the 4th, so July 5th, so, um, but we'll get to that. Uh, I, I was a, I'm still a cosmetologist. I'm sure a lot of people are a little bit lost with the whole COVID situation. I'm feeling a little lost myself because I had a salon and spa suite. Um, I own my own business and then, um, my lease was up right when everything crazy started happening with COVID. So like everything closed down and literally nobody was supposed to go anywhere. And that was when I was supposed to make the decision of signing my lease again with my salon. So um, I let that go because I, everything was just so up in the air. So I, I let that go for now. And that's when we decided that it was probably a great time to just go ahead and have baby number two. I live in Illinois, just West of Chicago. Um, my family own a campground here and my husband works for my family and um, we actually live right here on the campground. It's good for me because I, I would go a little bit crazy. I probably, if I couldn't at least go downstairs and say hi to somebody because <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty chatty person. And if, if you want to ask my toddler, she thinks that I know everybody everywhere I go because I pretty much just talk to everybody everywhere I go. So yeah, that's the basics, I guess. Well, why don't you take us through, or I mean, wherever you want to start, but uh, taking us through that first pregnancy and birth. Yeah. Oh, I don't think that I could have asked for like an easier pregnancy as a whole. Getting pregnant was really about as easy as you could probably ask for. I mean, it was like, we started planning for a baby, like, what was it, October 2017, we're like, okay, let's, you know, start trying to figure that out, and I was tracking my cycles and such, and then it was like, uh, we took a break over the beginning of the year, and then it was like the first, it's like May, bam, we were pregnant, right, the first month, (laughs) it was like one shot, I was like, okay, I know exactly when that happened, Um, so that was really, that was really cool that we didn't have, uh, you know, cause our age, we start to get a little bit panicky, but I mean, it kind of just, it happened for us really easily. Um, I feel like, so that was a huge, huge, huge blessing for us. Um, so I know, I know there's moms out there that, that have tried for forever. So I really like, I, I can't imagine that. So I was really grateful that for us, it happened when we were ready. The only thing that I had that I would say was a struggle with that pregnancy was, I think it was like week 35, I had the worst case of pups. And for anyone who doesn't know what pups is, 
P-U-P-P-P-S, PUPS. It, I don't even remember the act, like what it actually stands for, but it's a pregnancy rash. And the only way to get rid of it is to give birth. And uh, it was everywhere, like everywhere. It wasn't, it was only the palms of my hands, the soles of my feet and my face were like the only places it wasn't. It was everywhere. And my husband was helping me get slathered in calamine lotion like as many times a day as we could because there was nothing to relieve of the itch. It was like the worst itch of my life. And it came from my, like it started where my stretch marks were and then just expanded all over my body. It was nuts. The only thing I could find was calamine lotion and I would get in the bathtub like four times a day (laughs) and um, use this strange smelling soap called grandpa's pine tar soap and that was like the only thing just it was a bar of soap that I would just like rub on my arms and like that was like really the only thing that would help me (laughs) feel any kind of like relief from just having this crazy 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 itch so at what point did you end up going into labor so um it was 39 weeks and two days okay so it was a good month that you had that then before yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and they kept saying you know we you know we can talk about inducing I was like no 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 no. I said he or she because we didn't find out what we were having so I said he or she can stay in there as long as they want you know it's fine I can deal with it it'll be okay and so I was I was pretty much like insistent upon like they'll come when they're ready. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to be induced. Um, I know that there are reasons, you know, other women choose that. That's I, no judgment there for me personally. I just wanted to let he or she come naturally. So I was, or him or her come naturally, I should say. Um, so I was just waiting and I was at home cleaning and I went, took a bathroom break And I sort of felt like almost like a little bubble pop. And, you know, at the time, of course, I didn't know for sure what that was, but I thought, oh, hmm. And I laid down and then I kind of felt like a little leaking. So then I got back up and I went to go to the bathroom. And then like, as soon as I pulled my pants down, it was like all over the floor. And I was like, they said at the birth class that this isn't how it usually happens, that the movies are a lie. Your water doesn't gush all over, you know? So I was like, go figure. I have this extremely rare pregnancy rash. And then my, you know, my water breaks and gushes everywhere. And so, you know, we wanted to like labor at home as much as possible. But in the birthing class, they said, if your water breaks, come in. So I was like, all right, well, there's that. So we weren't like panicking and rushing around. We were kind of taking our time, but we were definitely getting ready to head to the hospital. And my husband kind of was like getting everything around last minute, you know, the stuff we use on a daily basis, like he's got his contact stuff and glasses and our phone charger stuff that we didn't pack, but we want to bring. And so he's getting all those last minute things. And I was like sitting on the little, we got like three little steps up to our like second level. And I was sitting there, my mom's helping me get my shoes on and he's running around and he's all of a sudden just freaking out. I can't find my shoes. And I was like, what's going on? They're right over there. And I pointed to the spot where his shoes were supposed to be. And my shoes were over there. And I look at my feet and then I look back at the spot and I look at my feet and I look back at the spot and 
I'm wearing his shoes. My mom had put his shoes on my feet and I didn't even notice because they were so swollen. (laughs) So I was like, actually, I'm wearing your shoes. So uh, we stop on the way to the hospital so he can get an SD card because I want a video camera rolling. I want to capture the whole thing as much as possible. So I was like, I couldn't, you know, I didn't have time to dump the photos off my SD card that I already had. So he's like, I'm just going to run into Walgreens and get one. He's so flustered too. He goes in there and asks for scan dicks. And the brand is called Scan Disc. And so he goes in there, asks for Scan Dicks, and the lady's like, huh? <laughs> he, starts, he starts laughing, like, ah, my wife's in labor. I can't talk. So we're cracking up about that the whole way to the rest of the, way to the hospital. Hospital is probably 35, 40 minutes away. So it's, you know, a little bit of a drive. And so I'm just dealing with the contractions on the way there. I've got a towel underneath me, too, because my water just does not stop coming. So um, I asked him when we get to the hospital, do you know where you're going? And he's like, yeah, you know, so he pulls up to one door, literally nobody around anywhere. And it was like, okay, I don't think this is the right spot. So he, he jumps out. Nope, not the right spot, comes back in the car. And so then I'm, you know, still contracting and he goes to another, another set of doors and there's nobody there either. And I was like, oh my gosh. I thought you said you knew where you were going. So he goes to one more spot and this woman comes out and she's, she's got a wheelchair. She's like, you know what? You're not in the right spot, but I'm going to wheel you across and he's going to go park. And I was like, oh my gosh. I saw, I was like, I can walk. I can walk. She's no, 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 no. Sit sit in this chair. I'm going to, I'm going to wheel you over there. So uh, we get over there and we get to the counter. We're doing the checkout, checkout, the check in. And I was like, oh, sitting there contracting, and I'm, you know, he's answering questions, I'm answering questions. I was like, you know, they told us to do this ahead of time, but here we are. And they're, you know, I'm kind of looking at my watch, going like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, because they're getting pretty close together. We finally get in the room, and they check me, and and uh, it must have been a student nurse. She checks me first, and she gives the other nurse like a side eye, and so. The other nurse is like kind of going, okay, I'll check. So the student steps aside and the other nurse sticks her hand in there and was like, yep, breach. And I was like, <gasps> what? Had I there was... been any indication leading up to that point that baby was breech? None. They had been telling me for weeks and I had seen multiple doctors um, because my favorite doctor within the practice retired. So I wanted to get to know all the doctors. I'd rotated through all of them and at least three or four of them in the weeks, you know, when you do those weekly appointments going up to the end, at least three or four of them said they felt his or her head whenever they checked me. And I was just a couple centimeters dilated, you know, and probably three weeks before I went in. And so I was like, what? No. And I was freaking out like because I knew that's what that meant like I didn't have a choice like in my own head at this point I'm like I didn't have a choice you know what's going on so I started just I lose my mind and only because you know I was prepared to I was prepared you know if after hearing all the information at the birthing class and, and, you know, other moms experiences I was prepared that if I tried labor it didn't work out whatever I if it was what was best for myself and the baby, of course, I would go ahead and get a C-section, but it's definitely not what I had pictured. And, I, and again, I was open to going with, you know, I knew that my birth plan could, you know, needed to be flexible, basically. So they like bring in the ultrasound tech just to verify. And I was like, okay, just so you, you know, we, we don't know what we're having. So don't tell me that. Just And they're like, yep, we're just going to verify the 
the position. So they come in and yep, sure enough. So they're getting ready. They're like, well, you know, the one lady says, I remember exactly how she worded it. She's like, well, the bad news is, you know, your, your baby's breech and we got to do surgery. She said, but the good news is you'll meet him or her within the hour. And I thought, oh my gosh, I told all of our parents, both my parents are remarried. So I have two sets of grandparents for our children and he's got the one set of grandparents. So there's six grandparents, but I said, don't come in. It's going to be a while, you know, labor, whatever. And so it was like, nobody was there yet. And I was like, I want my mommy. So, um, I hear her talking to my husband on the phone. His name is CJ, by the way. So if you hear CJ, she's, I can hear her asking him if I'm okay. And he's like, oh, no, like she's okay, but like not okay, <laughs> like emotionally or physically. So she gets to me just in time. Like I see her as they're wheeling me away down the hall for surgery. I see her like in passing and I get like two seconds to like be like, okay I love you I'll see you soon like oh so I see her for like just barely a second she ended up telling me later she was in the drive-thru paid for her food and was in between windows and she jumped out of line to get to me and I was like she's yelling out the window I gotta go my daughter's in labor so she paid for her food and never got it and I thought oh man but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah just one of those stories that I'm like yeah but yeah so they told me actually, they ended up telling me that I was seven centimeters, a hundred percent effaced when I got there. So by the time, um, I'm in, they don't let the spouse come in at that hospital at that time. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that's very similar. They just don't let you in there when you're getting the, um, the spinal block, they don't let anyone else in the room. I think that's most places, but so I was in there and they said, all right, you're going to get a pinch and a poke we're doing your spinal block. And so I'm like, okay, so they're trying to get me to hunch over as much as possible, which all the mommies out there know when you have a belly in front of you, that's ginormous. First of all, um, you can't really hunch over that much. And even when you do your, your baby's already smushing in your lungs. So like you can't expand your lungs as it is, but then when you're hunching over, you're squishing them even more. So I'm trying to breathe through the contractions and hold still and hunch over and I have this weird thing in my lower back where like I can't like round it round forward as much as I want like I, I found this out I used to do cheerleading and they used to try to push me down further to do stretches I'm like I, I don't go any further <laughs> this is as far as I go so um I was trying to you know hold still and breathe through my contractions and I'm crying because I'm upset and so I grabbed two huge handfuls of the nurse that is standing in front of me trying to help. I grabbed two huge handfuls of her scrubs in my hands and I'm like pulling on her outfit. And then I'm like breathing through and I'm like hunching over and I'm like, Ooh, and she's, and I realized what I'm doing and I like let go of her scrubs real quick. I was like, ah, sorry. She's like, no, honey girl, you do what you got to do. It's all right. I'm like, all right, thank you. <laughs> so I mean, they were all super, super nice. Uh, and I'm sitting there and 11 stabs later, I'm like, okay, you know, what's going on? Cause they're still not done. And I'm getting poked left and right. They said two pokes and that was it. Uh, they're having trouble getting the spinal block in. I thought, oh crap. Well, they finally get it in and they finally let my husband back in. And I'm just, I don't think I've ever cried so hard in my life. 
um, it's such a strange sensation to not feel being cut open, but like you, you feel it, but you don't, you know, you don't feel it. It's weird. I don't think I've ever felt so like helpless over what was happening to me in my entire life. I just laid there and just cried. I was just, part of it was being sad for the birth that I wanted. Part of it was being sad for having to be cut open um, because I knew the recovery was going to be different. The way my body looked after was going to be different than I expected. And so I was kind of mourning the loss of like what I had pictured for that day. But also I was beyond words excited to meet my baby that I remember crying so hard I was like gasping for air I was probably actually hyperventilating a little bit now that I'm thinking of it because I was crying so hard um but my husband was right there by my head and um I couldn't see anything and that I guess is one of the things that is really hard about having a c-section I I so it was such a whirlwind that I don't know if they would have done the clear screen or not. I know some hospitals do that and some don't. In hindsight, I probably would have asked for the clear screen, but it was this big blue wall in front of me. And I remember feeling like I grew this baby and I worked so hard to take care of it. And I can't even like, I don't even get to like see it come out. I don't know, like literally watch it, ha like watch it happen and know like, my baby came straight out of me and I, it goes straight into my arms kind of thing. I don't know how, I don't know how to word that, but I ended up seeing her for the first time off to my left-hand side when they took her to the side. And I don't know what they were doing, wiping her down, or I don't know what all they were doing. Um, Cause it's kind of foggy, but I, I remember looking off to the left and seeing and hearing her, I could hear when they first pulled her up and out, my husband was the one to say, it's a girl. So there was a nurse taking pictures and with the iPhone, they have the motion pictures automatically turned on. So it was, you can hear him say in one of the pictures, if you like push and hold the picture, you can hear him say, it's a girl. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a cool thing to have the audio for. And you can hear her little cries and you can hear me sobbing like in little clips of all the pictures. She was eight pounds, 10 ounces. Uh, she was folded in half. My husband described her looking like a turkey because her feet were completely up by her ears. So she was Frank Breach, but which all the way down. They said, the doctor said, I don't know if you heard it or not, but when we pulled her up and out, it was like a noise because she was like suctioned down in there and so later when I had described my situation to like some doulas and midwives that I ended up talking to during my second pregnancy they're like yeah that's probably because she was like on her way out and they pulled her back up and out through the incision so um I said oh I hadn't thought of that because they're like you practically did labor if you were seven centimeters when you got there she was probably coming out so if they would have just let her come out she probably would just came out but I was like man you know find that all out later I was like geez so they they hand her to me and it, it's like almost like a like an out-of-body experience like I I grew this and just it just it just feels weird now that I've experienced both it's kind of strange and like weird to like have your baby like cut out and like off to the side and then like handed to you it's just like this weird feeling like I, I 
hopefully somebody knows out there what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, I completely get it. Like, it's just not, it's not what you expect. And it's also just not the way, I don't know if I want to use the phrase the way it should be, but it's not. It's not the way nature intended it. Right. So it just, it just feels a little bit wrong, but um, it feels so right nonetheless, because you, you, you just you just want to be with your baby i guess is the, is the main thing you just want to hold him or her and you just want to know they're okay and you just want them to go straight from you into your arms that was my natural like knee-jerk reaction is like it just felt so weird to just have her off to the side and just be looking at her like i i guess that's my baby over there you know what i mean like i couldn't see her come out so i don't know you know i didn't see her come out so that it just felt weird so um yeah, and she was she was healthy. She laughed right away. She's still a little booby monster. So yeah, I guess the first one was traumatizing in the sense that I just really felt like it was a whirlwind. I didn't have any kind of time to catch my breath or think or have a say or ask questions. It was just like, oh, you need surgery and off we go. So I guess like that was my my biggest thing is I... If there's an expecting mom out there who thinks that she, you know, wants it one way, but, you know, it's okay to be flexible, just make sure you have your ducks in a row, like, because I th- I didn't know there was all this stuff that I could ask for. I could ask for music. I could ask for lighting. I could ask for a clear, a clear blind thing in front of me. I could ask for, it, they call, I've read it's called family-centered C-sections or, or gentle C-sections or, or something like that. But like, I didn't know there was stuff I could ask for. And, and then just different preferences with your babies that you can ask for and you can speak up about ahead of time. Uh, my husband did get to quote unquote cut the umbilical cord. I don't know if he actually cut it or if he just cut a section of it after they had already cut it the other ways. I don't know. But I know he, I saw that he got to cut it in pictures, but I didn't even get to see him do that. I feel like there was a few things that I missed out on because I was um, in the middle of, you know, getting stitched back up and stuff like that. So I don't really remember much from the actual recovery room. I remember more from the next room that I was in after I see pictures and I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Cause like my husband got skin to skin in the recovery room. And so I, I remember vaguely like uh, him doing skin to skin and then realizing we didn't have pictures of it. So then he did skin to skin again so we could take a picture. But I just feel like that's a little bit hazier because I was just like hopped up on meds and didn't really know what was going on at first. So that part's like, it feels a little foggy. That's I just had a conversation with another mom just the other day about how the memories that her and I both had from our C-sections was, it seemed like it came from the pictures that we had, but it wasn't like a firsthand memory, if that makes sense. The pictures pictures kind of jog your memory a little bit, but you don't, you can't, the picture produces a memory, but it doesn't fully, like, it's not fully your own memory. It's a, you know, you kind of get it from the picture. How did you make the connection to wanting to do a home birth with your second baby? When did that come into play? Okay. So that was super like scrambling last minute because my baby was very persistently breached and I did all the things. 
all the things to flip the baby and it was like I mean all the things <laughs> I did um, acupuncture and moxibustion massage chiropractic work I was doing somersaults and flips in the pool swimming upside down um, spinning babies pulsatilla like all these things I was doing all the things to try to, to try to flip the baby uh, I did ECV I, I did um, just uh an ECV in a doctor's office. And then I also did one in the hospital, both failed. At what point was it that you discovered baby was breech in that second pregnancy? We had a lot of ultrasounds towards the end. So it was like at the 30 week one, they didn't really say anything, but like I was more focused on it than they were because every time I went in the office, this is another thing that frustrated me is Every time I went in, they'd say, why haven't we scheduled you for surgery yet? And I'm like, you have been told multiple times that my plan is for a VBAF. So I was getting frustrated that they were asking me about surgery every single visit. And I'm like, okay, this, you have a chart. Do you like, I was one, I felt like, I felt like I could have been a meme. Like, do you even read my chart, bro? So it was very, like the planning of the home birth was very, very, very last minute honestly, like uncomfortably last minute because I was, I felt desperate and I was scrambling. And so I guess that requires a little bit of backtracking because I was talking to a relative of mine who um, is a midwife. Well, she's not a relative of mine. She's a relative of my stepmom. So I didn't even know like she existed until like I said something about a doula and she's like, I think my niece does that. So it was my stepmom's niece. And I was like, oh, well then maybe I could talk to her and, and get some like information. I don't even know if I had a specific question. I just wanted to talk to her because I consider it um, hiring a doula. So that way my process, like I had, I just wanted every chance I could have to have a smooth vaginal delivery. Um, and I had thought, you know, they said that breech babies were so rare that I just assumed that she was just a rarity and this one would be head down and I would get a doula and it would just make things smoother. And the more I had talked to, first I talked to my stepmom's niece and then I started interviewing doulas because she's like, yeah, you know, you should hire somebody, talk to at least three and, and find somebody that you vibe with. I'm like, okay. Um, so that's what I did. And the more I talked to them, the more like shocked I was that there's all these different questions that I could have asked that I just didn't even know like because I consider myself a respectful person if a doctor who is the professional tells me this is what I recommend I'm going with their professional advice or opinion and that's because they do this like that's what their living is and their life's work is, is this is what they do. So I'm going to take them at their word. It wasn't till I started talking to these doulas and I found support groups on Facebook that I realized that I was not the only one with this issue of feeling a little bit traumatized for my C-section. And I, and I was, it's a little bit like, I guess I was a little ashamed to admit that I was so bothered by it because, you know, yeah, I, have a, I you know, my birth plan's flexible. I'll do whatever it takes. Like, you know, you just want your baby to be healthy, but like, 
for for it to be like acknowledged and okay that I was a little bit like like I said traumatized from my experience like because people will minimize it they'll be like but you got your healthy baby and and you're healthy and you're fine and everything's fine so like why are you so bothered by it and it's like it's like you they, they don't get it but I found all these other women in these groups on Facebook and I was like oh my gosh they get it I'm not a weirdo I'm not selfish I'm not you know, all these things that sometimes you're made to feel like for feeling a little bit, you know, scarred by like literally like emotionally and physically scarred by like a C-section that was not expected. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is an actual like problem. It's like an epidemic. It is. There's so many that are just, they just feel like they have no say in what's going on with their body. And it's scary. So I, the more I found out, the more I was like, oh my gosh, I, and then each ultrasound getting closer and closer to my due date, the baby was still breached. And so I'm like beginning to panic. And so I'm starting to talk to, like, I'm trying to find um, providers in any hospital, anywhere close by that will support me and my VBAC still. And there's, there's none. And, um, and if there were, they, they said there was two that I had a shot in, in the, I, there was two that I had a shot in the dark with. And one of them said they were so full, they could not take any more births. Like they were like at capacity for how many they were allowed to take. So I understand. And the second one, it was too late in my pregnancy to transfer care. And I'm like, okay, that makes no sense because this isn't an issue until it's an issue. So like at 37 weeks, then, you know, if your baby's still breached, then they're like, yeah, you know, your baby's probably like the chances go like less and less likely that the baby's going to turn on its own, but it's not an issue until you're ready for delivery. They say like, oh, your baby's breached at 32, 34, 36 weeks. Like, ah, it's fine. Like not a big deal. You know, they'll probably turn. Most of them do. So like, it's not an issue. Like I said, until it's an issue. And then what it's too late to transfer care now because now I'm at this milestone of weeks that is really kind of a little bit BS anyways because a a due date is sort of a shot in the dark too so it's like what am I expected to do here so um there was like nobody so I started asking on these um support groups that I was in on Facebook do you like do you know any because I I had heard of my friend said that she had a midwife in in the hospital where she gave birth. So maybe midwives could come, could come to the hospital, but I didn't know that in Illinois, like midwives aren't like legally recognized. So like, if you want to, if you want to hire a midwife, like to attend your birth, like you, you can't. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, now what do I do? Um, so then these Facebook groups private message me a name. There's like maybe two. One of them is like super close to the one was like pretty far away. And they're like, people are making suggestions like pack up and go stay like somewhere close to the Indiana border. So you can be, you know, because Indiana and Wisconsin, you're allowed to have a birth with a midwife apparently. But in Illinois, I guess we're just a little bit slow here because I don't know what the deal is with that. You can't have, you can't legally do it, I guess. So I was like, I can't 
just go stay somewhere and wait for my baby to come. Like I have a, I have a, I have a toddler and my husband is the only employee that my parents have. Like I, we can't just, you know, leave. So I was, I was panicking and and to be perfectly honest, I, I did not have support to try to deliver him uh, vaginally from my family at first. So that was really, really hard because um, they saw me doing everything I could to try to turn him. Like I said, I went in for two ECVs and I just like, they just like, if, if the doctor said I needed a C-section, then they all basically saw it that I needed a C-section and there was really like, what was I doing? And so um, I was, I was talking to the midwife, there was one midwife that was like possibly going to work. And I'm thinking, I think it was like, I was at probably 37 or 38 weeks at this point. And there's this midwife that might possibly work, but she's got to do a home birth. Like I, she can't come to the hospital with me. And so I'm talking to my doula and I was like, oh, what do I do? And she's like, you know what, whatever you decide, I support you. If you want to try it, you know, to give birth at home, I'm there for you. If you want to try it, you know, if you feel like the hospital is better for you, um, there are ways that I can still support you as your doula through a C-section. And I'm like, just even thinking about it, just it's crazy that the thought of having another C-section was scarier for me than trying to give birth like a cat under the stairs at home. Like, I would rather like that is where my mind was at at that point was like I was so I had such distrust for my doctors so is was it really because there wasn't anyone in the hospital that was going to be supportive of a breach vaginal birth that you switched to this midwife for a home birth then yeah yeah and and after talking with her I trusted her more because she was listening to me. Mm-hmm. I would tell her, you know, um, I told her my, my original birth story, how when I got there, I was seven centimeters and 100% when I arrived, my water broke on its own. I, like I, I was, I fully handled my labor up until that point. I was fine. The thing that bothered me was when they were trying to put the needle in my back and they stabbed me 11 times because they couldn't get spinal block in. That bugged me labor wasn't bothering labor wasn't bothering me I was fine (laughs) like you know what I mean so like I was I wasn't even like they say like sometimes when people get to like six or seven centimeters they puke and whatever I was fine I was okay so you know she was listening to me and she's like you know you you don't have to do the c-section she's like she actually had experience with breach deliveries and I was like oh my gosh like we we gotta we gotta make this work but the thing was at the time I could not get my husband on board he said he supported me in my decisions but his actions and stuff that he would repeat to other people a little bit like not a lot of other people just like because he works for my parents so they would have discussions and so I felt a little bit um alone a little bit ganged up on and I was I was desperate like I literally like I said I was like I thought about being like a cat and just finding some stairwell to hide under and just go have my babies in a box under the stairs. Like I was just so over it. Like, why can't anyone trust me and my instincts in me and my knowledge of my body? Why does it have to be a fight to just have my baby? Like I, I didn't understand. 
finally, after he saw what I had gone through, basically to appease everybody else, to keep trying to turn the baby, even though I was resolved in the fact that if this baby wants to be breached, then I will let him or her be breached. And I am fine with that. I'm ready to deliver breach. Like, let's just leave it alone. But I basically did the second ECV just to, I hate to use the phrase to shut everybody else up, but I mean, that's basically like, I don't know. I, I gotta ask him. I don't know why after that second ECV that finally he was on board with it but after that it was like a turning point for him to where he was like you know what if you want to have the baby at home like I got your back like I'm like are you sure because you said you have but then you you keep fighting me on it so uh, like are you sure this time but yeah so then it's like we got that birth kit ordered and what point was that in your pregnancy did you say it was like 37 weeks it was almost almost 39 weeks I want to say when we got the birthing kit because even at this point mind you I had not paid her anything yet I had not solidified a contract with this midwife I had not uh, committed to her in any way on paper but I only met her in person when she came to drop off the birthing pool I had only seen her the one time in person before I gave birth they tried everything at my doctor's office to, to get me to schedule. They actually scheduled me twice um, without my consent. The first time I canceled and the second time I just let it lie because I was already delivering. I was in the middle of delivering at home. I was literally at home in labor. Did you ever tell them that you were switching or did you just not say anything? They knew I had gone somewhere else for an ECV um, and they were upset about that. And I said, well, because you guys didn't say yes to the ECV until I told you someone else said yes. And then when you did say yes, you said, okay, we'll try the ECV, but only if you schedule surgery right after if it fails. And I'm like, okay, no, um, not going to do that because then you're just not going to really try for me. Right. The weekend before I delivered, they wanted me to come in for an office visit. And my doula and my midwife both warned me that they were probably going to try to scare me. So I went in with a mind frame of, all right, well, this is probably what this appointment is for because they don't, they're, they're just telling me an office visit. They're not even telling me why they want me to come in. It's a Friday, 4th of July weekend, and they want me to come in for an office visit. And I was like, why am I coming? I called. I was like, why do I have to come in? And like, they just want you to be seen. And at first it went really well. I, and I had to go to this appointment by myself because I had so many appointments at this time that my husband just could not leave work all the time. So I went to this one by myself. And at first it was going well. I felt like she was listening to me. I explained what happened with the Claritin. I explained what happened with some other things that they were pushing upon me and that I said, you know, no, I, I want to try a VBAC. And I explained the ECV thing, how they denied me. But then when the other doctor said they would do it, then they said, fine, we'll do it. And then, you know, I explained all that. And I really felt like she was listening to me. I thought, oh, maybe there's one doctor in this practice that I can like come to. She proceeds to tell me, and I want to offer a trigger warning at this point, because she proceeds to tell me that she when she was what do they call it when they're learning as a doctor like a resident yes during her residency she witnessed a doctor deliver a breech baby and the, the baby the baby broke their neck and died and she told and you that she told me that sitting right there in her office looking me square in the eye and told me 
I just don't want your baby to die. And I just, I just want what's, you know, I just want to like, she made it seem like she was my friend. She made it seem like she was doing this for me. And that is so manipulative. It was, I pissed off that she would say that to me. Even if I said, oh, okay, fine, 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 fine. I will schedule surgery. It would have been at the earliest Monday, July 5th, my, on my due date at the earliest. And I was seeing and talking to her and her telling me this story of hers on a Friday. So she would have left me worried like that all weekend because of that story she just told me and I would have to wait for Monday until you know wait until Monday for surgery regardless yeah why would you like why would you try to mentally and physically emotionally torture somebody like that like it's I I I don't even I didn't even tell my husband what she said to me I just said she pulled the dead baby card on me they all said she would and she did and I was completely blown away by that oh it's horrible horrible I ended up getting a letter later from the practice like the head person or whatever at the practice saying like basically we're not working with you anymore because you decided to go elsewhere blah 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 and I was like um the letter in her letter it had referenced me obviously not trusting or feeling safe with them or something like that because I went you know else I I went outside of their whatever and I was like okay first of all if you're threatened by me getting a second opinion, that's on you, not on me. And second of all, if you're referencing in your letter that I clearly didn't trust you, your doctors and I didn't feel safe and whatever, don't you think you need to ask yourself why that is? Like, seriously, think, wouldn't you want to know like, wow, this, this person really doesn't trust, like she's clearly scared and not trusting us and, you know, acting like, she doesn't want us to take care of her IG. Wouldn't you wonder why that is? I mean, I would. Right. You'd think that they would attempt to fix whatever problem they perceived that there was instead of just cutting ties and then trying to flip it like, okay, well, if you're going to seek care elsewhere, then we don't want you as a patient any longer. Like you can't be a patient with us anymore when it's like, well, you are the one you are, you had already made the decision to seek care elsewhere, you know, like that. Yeah. yeah, That's just, that's just stupid. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. The fact that a doctor schedules C-sections because they're convenient for them. And then his disbelief in that was like shocking to me. Like they can't do that. They don't like, like it within like, like it was an ethical issue, which it is, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Right. I so think that's I, true I was, of a lot of stuff that happens. I mean, in hospitals in general, but in maternity care and birth and postpartum too. They have more control over that. Like I was trying to say, like, so if I were to go into la- go into the hospital and go into labor. It's a, it's a big question mark of how long is my labor going to last? What type of labor like, will I have versus scheduling. I know she's going to be here at seven in the morning. We're going to prep. We're going to cut the baby out. We're going to stitch her up and then recover. And she goes home. Mm-hmm. Like if you think that doctors don't prefer to do it that way, um, 
I would say that's a very uh, naive perspective because they do. And maybe not all of them. Maybe there's a few out there that really respect the birthing process. I mean, I had all lady doctors. I don't understand as a woman how they would think that that was okay to A, talk to me like that and, and B, take away the choices uh, for my own body. They wanted to strap me down, drug me up and cut me open without even letting me go into even any labor at all, which would have been so much healthier for the baby. Imagine being a baby, comfy, cozy in your mother's uterus. I'm going to come out when I'm ready. I'm just cozy. I'm going to wait here a little bit longer. I like it here. I'm still developing whatever I'm developing. And what's this? This thing is this is cutting open my house. My roof is torn off. Oh, I'm being pulled out of here. And now it's really cold. I'm scared. I don't know what's happening. This is not natural. Right. For me, for me, if I have a choice and I understand that sometimes it needs to happen that way. I, I fully understand it. And I don't mean to uh, down talk any mom who chooses that for her own pregnancy, her own baby, her own well-being, by all means, please make that choice for yourself. That's all I wanted was for my, for, for me to be able to make that choice, for me to have a say and for to, to let my baby decide when he or she was going to come out. And I didn't want to feel like I was helpless and like it was all happening to me. I wanted to feel like I had a say. I was participating in the process. I just felt like belittled and bullied and like <clears throat> like I didn't have a say they had their mind made up already they said they were VBAC supportive but I honestly think they were more VBAC tolerant I understand that you you don't do um, breach births let alone a breach VBAC I, I get that but then why treat me like that for seeking out somebody who who can accommodate me so do you know you go to a doctor and they like you need surgery on your shoulder all right, I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to go to this doctor. This doctor says you could try physical therapy first and you don't need surgery on your shoulder until you try physical therapy first. There's a choice there. All I wanted was all the information, informed consent, and to make my choice. I didn't want to just say, all right, I have to have surgery. And that's that super was, valid. That's I mean, all I was asking for. And they treated me like crap because of it. And then just the more I was asking, the more like, the more I wanted to wait and just like let nature take its course and see if, cause people say they flip during labor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my baby could flip during labor. You don't even want to let me go into labor. Like I, I can't even with you people. Well, take us to where labor did start for you then. I'm excited to hear this story. Oh, okay. So I was 4th of July weekend and I actually, I was actually caught up in stagnant, like, prodromal labor for like two days (laughs) before I actually was like delivering so that sounds horrible and 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 I didn't know that there was such a thing so for anybody who doesn't know what prodromal I I, like it's it's like Braxton Hicks contractions where your body's practicing and whatnot but like you're actually like they're like full-blown contractions they're not just little practice ones so I was like having like full contractions for like two days so um I was timing them for like two days it was it would go about an average of eight minutes between contractions and then it would like 
work its way down to four minutes and then bounce back up every time like I would take a bath or something you know they just to make sure it was like legit they're like get in the bath see if you know they calm down a little bit and it was like they never really calmed down they just kind of spaced out more it was fourth of July Sunday uh, my my family was all having a picnic up at my parents house which is like 100 feet away from where we live because we all live on the campground so I sat separate than basically everybody so I could get up and walk away every like six seven or eight minutes to go deal with a contraction and then come back in the room or back out on the patio wherever they were I was dealing with that for a couple days and on the 4th of July I ended up leaving probably around eight o'clock I went home and I was like, I'm going to go try relaxing or taking a bath or something. And they just kept bouncing up and down. They'd get down to four minutes and I'd be like, hey, you know, I'd text my doula, oh, they're, they're, they're going down. And then, and then I'd get in the tub and then nothing. So I text my midwife like, oh, I'm struggling because my doula was like, I'm getting worried about your stamina because when labor actually does happen, like you're going to be pooped. From dealing with this for like two days and like no sleep because it was like through the night and everything too so it was like just non-stop so um I ended up talking talking to my midwife who I had just like solidified maybe I want to say the Thursday before it was Sunday so like it was like if when I say last minute planning for home birth, like it was like super last minute because of everything. She said, take a couple of Benadryl, drink a glass of wine and go lay down. We, we need to slow these down or you're going to be just completely worn out. And I was like, okay. Um, and it's funny because my husband and I are not drinkers like at all, but I do have wine and stuff and things like in our home for like if people come over and like so I was like I don't even know if I have I found something but then I was like I don't even know where the corkscrew is to get this thing off so I'm like I'm he's sleeping in uh our toddler's room with her it's like in the middle it's like probably maybe two in the morning I'm like I I don't know what to do so I go I finally I find a bottle of wine and I'm looking for a corkscrew and I think crap what if I can't find one what am I gonna do I find it finally I was like I had an epiphany I was like oh I think it's over here so I find it and I drink I slam this glass of wine because like I don't drink and so like if I took a sip and then I stopped like I'd be like not I wouldn't want to finish it because I'd be put off by it especially being pregnant too I just the smell and everything I was like oh my god I just got so I slammed this this I almost said bottle I did not drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I slammed this glass of wine <laughs> and I'm like oh my and then I thought am I gonna be drunk from this because I literally don't drink so I drink it and I have the, I took the Benadryl and I go lay down and it kind of it doesn't stop my contractions, but they kind of space back out again for like an hour and a half. I managed to get like, a, like I lay down and I sleep for or I'm like half asleep, but like, a, if, like it was probably the best sleep I got in a couple of days. So I like an hour and a half. And then all of a sudden it's like the contractions are like four minutes apart, but they're lasting like two and a half minutes. So I feel like I can barely get my bearings before there's like another one. 
so I messaged my my doula I was like okay so they're still at this annoying four minute mark but now they're like two and a half minutes long so I feel like they're like one minute apart <laughs> is what I told her I was like I text her so then it was like you could almost hear the music they're like everybody rushed to get to me because they're like oh crap that's like oh my gosh now we have to hurry up and get there because they're like right on top of each other almost so then um my doula rushes to get there and my midwife rushes to get to me it's like hour hour and a half later everybody's here so I've got a doula the original doula that I hired super amazing super supportive wonderful person she actually came to the ECV with me too she showed up first and (laughs) I don't even remember why but she came in and I was already standing and like we have a bathroom in our master in our master bedroom where I was at and I was already standing in my bathroom doorway and I don't I think I had just I at some point had gone to the bathroom and then just not put because I sleep in a cami a nursing cami and underwear at this point because I'm so pregnant I'm like I'm not, I don't pants get all bunched up whatever I'm, I'm like hot as an oven anyway so I I must have at some point went to the bathroom and then just never put any bottoms back on because she showed up and I remember standing there in just my cami with no underwear, no pants, no nothing. And like at the time, I didn't really think much of it. But now I think back, I'm like, she showed up and I'm just standing around with no pants on. Like, I'm sure she's seen like everything, but I just was cracking myself up over thinking about it later. Like she just shows up and I'm just standing around with no pants on. Like, Very normal my, in the birth world. It's fine. Yeah. My husband was like, oh, you're winning the pooing it, huh? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so I was, so she's standing there and she's, you know, at like, she's not asking me like a hundred questions, but she's just asked, like, she's just observing and just my husband in the meantime, her and my husband are getting the birth pool set up and then they have it all blown up and it's ready to go. It's in our master bedroom with, with us. Um, because we live actually right above the office where people check in. So I wanted to put it in the bedroom and not the living room in case like my mom came upstairs for some reason or like I because that would be like literally right above the office so if I was making any noise anybody who came into the office would hear me ah (laughs) so we had it back in the bedroom for like minimal interruption and they got it all set up and they realized we don't know how we're going to fill it so the midwife gets there and she's like did you order the birth the water birth birth kit and I was like I ordered the birth kit off of like you go to this website and you order a birth kit under the the business name of the midwife so I ordered it under her like business name and apparently there was like where you could you could um pick home birth or water birth or like there was a distinction somewhere that I missed so we didn't have an adapter to fill the pool up so it was like well uh, I guess we can take the pool down (laughs) get that out of the way so I was like, oh, I, I like wanted that water birth, but we just didn't want to fuss about filling it up when I was like kind of already in the in the thick of it. So um, they barely said anything to me the whole time. They just kind of let me wander around and labor. I would move back and forth from like sitting on the toilet with like my feet up on a stool. So like my knees were bent and, and then I would go kneel next to my bed you know how like 
in the movies they have like little kids praying next to their bed saying their prayers before bed like that's the position I was in kneeling next to my bed then I'd be on the bed in all fours and that wasn't as comfortable for me personally as like just standing or squatting or kneeling basically as much upright as I could be is where I wanted to be Um, and they just let me do whatever you know they weren't trying to tell me anything other than just um, monitoring the heart rate once in a while you know they weren't saying do this do that whatever Um, once in a while they suggest just try a different position to avoid being stagnant but they really just let me basically control my own destiny in that way and just they didn't I don't know. I just like the fact that they just let me do my thing. So my favorite thing ended up being the thing that helped me learn how to like actually work the baby downward because I could literally feel it like almost like I could feel them scooting down was um, a position where I was sitting on the toilet and for some reason I asked for this extra folding chair that was just randomly sitting in my room. I don't remember why. And I asked for the folding chair. And so what I did was I sat on the toilet and as I was contracting, I grabbed the back of the chair and lifted it up and like pulled my feet up off the ground and like labored, like, like it was like I was doing reps with the chair And that was what actually taught me how to push and like work him down. Eventually they're like, you probably don't want to have your baby on the toilet, honey. So let's move over here again. And that was like one of the only things they like, like I said, told me to do because they just really let me do my thing. And so um, I moved next to the bed and like my husband would hold my hands and also like he would provide resistance So like I would squat and he would like pull on me, like um, his wrists were crossed. So like I could really get a grip on his hands. My, we were like palm to palm and I was kneeling at one point um, when she first, when she first got there, I should say when the, when the midway first got there, I was again at a seven and I was almost a hundred percent effaced, but she said the one side was a little thicker. So I labored with my one leg up for a while, kneeling with my one leg up. And then she said it kind of helped the other side thin out, which I thought was fascinating. But so it was kind of a similar situation where she showed up and I was like already at seven and basically a hundred percent. And um, I just kind of, I, I was just kind of like zoning out the whole time, just breathing. And they um, gave me a couple spoonfuls of honey throughout which I thought was oh my best honey ever in the middle of labor and then some sips of Gatorade here and there I was kneeling my right knee on the ground my left knee out to the side holding my husband's hand and I was so tired like fatigued because I had already been laboring for so long um but it really wasn't that long since they had been there I could, I remember walking from the toilet to the bedside. I was, I, I said I was walking like a cowboy because my knees had to be out sideways and I was like waddling because like he was really down low at that point. <laughs> For some odd reason, I just didn't really make eye contact with anybody until after. I think I was just in that kind of weird transitional headspace where 
Like I was just, everything around me kind of disappeared and it was just me and labor in my own head. And I remember looking up the one time I made eye contact with him the entire labor. I looked up at my husband and he just smiled at me and just nodded like, like, I can't even describe it. Like he just nodded, like, like you're doing it. And I was just, oh, that was awesome. I'll never forget that. I could feel him coming down. I could feel my baby coming down. I still didn't know if it was a he or she at this point. And I thought I heard someone behind me say she. And so, and he said the same thing. My husband said he thought he heard something about a her or she or something at one point too. And I remember (laughs) doing some pushing and I felt something just plop out. And I thought to myself, was that it? And I'm like, I remember thinking it, but I don't think I said it out loud. And then someone said, um, my bag of waters or something like just came out. And I remember going, was that it? I'm not even sure. Like, what was that? <laughs> and then um, I, I pushed and I could feel like I could feel him coming down and going back in and then coming down and then going back in a couple of times. And I knew that this, like that this, this was a thing. I knew that this would, would happen. Not, not to everybody. I just knew it was a possibility, I guess that like, if I wasn't doing it completely strong enough that he would just bounce up and down a little bit. So I'm like, Oh, so he's there. I just like, he or she is there. I just got to, she said like, all right, you don't want to get in this rhythm where you're pushing and they're just bouncing up and down. She's like, you gotta like, okay, I know, I know. I'm like, I'm thinking, I know I just gotta, I got to get the strength because I'm exhausted. <laughs> so it's like, I would give myself little countdowns and I'd wait for the contractions to show up and I'd count in my head and take a deep breath. And then just like, I would, I, I wouldn't allow myself to just sit there and not do it. But at the same time, like I needed to like mentally and physically prepare to like start pushing. So I would give myself these little countdowns, like, okay, like, yeah, I got to do it. Like, I would have these little conversations in my own head. So there was maybe once or twice where I told myself, okay, the next set of contractions, I'm just going to breathe through them. I'm not going to push. I'm just going to breathe through, give myself a little rest break for a second. And then um, I felt like a whole just mass come down. And there's pictures I know it kind of made the, my midwife uncomfortable to have like full video and like full pictures and everything. Cause she's so vulnerable to like the legal state of Illinois. So I completely understand. So there's only a li- there's, there's a couple pictures of that, that my doula took, but um, his whole, his whole butt is hanging down <laughs> and just dangling there. And um, there's a picture where his whole butt is out. And then there's a picture where everything is out but his head so there's like a whole so what happened was is um he's he's facing my backside so there's just a lovely visual of my just butthole front and center in these pictures <laughs> I'm like okay that's cool there's my butt so so yeah it's crazy and so he's he's facing my backside so like when he when when he's coming out um, both of his, he's Frank Breach, so both of his legs are, it's 
all legs and he just looks like I don't know if you've ever been on the ride Splash Mountain where at the end of the ride the bear is all tied up in a trap and he's just dangling there and his butt just is just hanging down that's what it looks like for any Disney fan out there they know what I'm talking about the bear is dangling in the rope trap at the end that's what he looks like hanging out of my butt or out of my spaces and then his feet flopped forward and so it was just everything without arms everything without except for his head and so then all she said was okay I just need you to she said it calmly I basically like matter of fact I just need you to push his head out and so then I knew like all right this is the the VIP moment here because like this is the make or break of the situation so I'm not screwing around I waited for my next set of contractions and just bloop pushed his head out because I I knew there was no messing about now I'm like this is like I'm going to give a good push. I better do it now because I'm not screwing around with bouncing him up and down, trying to get his head out. Like this is, I'm going to just do as best as I can all in one shot and just get his head out. So that's what I did. And he came out and then I turned around and had him put on my chest right away. And I was sobbing and he was wrapped up in, in a towel and I was just sobbing. And I still, at this point, didn't know if I had a boy or a girl in my arms. I just knew that I had a, a healthy baby that was breathing and that was okay. And we were rubbing him real good just to make sure he was stimulated. So we're rubbing his back and stimulating him real well. And I want to say it was the midwife's assistant said something about boy. And then there's a video of me saying, it's a boy. Oh, we didn't know. And I'm like crying and oh my goodness. Oh, my husband's crying around my, my back and we're just both just crying like idiots. And it was amazing. It was so, oh, it was so fulfilling and so satisfying and almost like just in your face, people that didn't think I could like those, it, mostly the doctors that were just like surgery, surgery, surgery. I just want to be like, see what you did. That's incredible. it was just nuts. I had a little, now I had a little trouble with my placenta after it was falling apart. So I pushed out like a majority of my placenta, but she had to like reach in and grab it like three times. And it was, that was like not fun. So like a big part of it came out like a with the cord and everything. Out. And then there was yeah. still some stuff. And there was, it, it was like falling apart. It was breaking out. It was like breaking into pieces. She said, so she's like, I really, she looked at me like, mm, I'm sorry. Like, I have to reach in there and get the rest of it. I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, crap. Had, so she, done, like, had she done like cord traction or anything to try to get it out? Or was it just left alone and that's just how it came out? I, have, I, I don't know what that is. I'm assuming whatever normal procedures there is to try to get it out intact. But it was just kind of falling apart. So I think she just wanted to make sure all of it came out yeah, well, and I, ac- I accidentally peed on her while she was doing that so <laughs> she's you like oh, don't worry about it she's like that's normal <laughs> yeah you only have so much control <laughs> yeah when she was trying to check for it and stuff I think like just try to push out a little bit and I was like no, you peed on me a little bit like oopsie <laughs> so what was the rest of that immediate postpartum time like did you get tucked into bed and did baby latch right away yes it was magical skin to skin right away they took my um cami my cami was all full of gunk and sweat and whatever else there is 
they took my cami and we put them on me for skin to skin right away. They were like these magical little fairies moving about my house. They had found eggs because the honey that I was having spoonfuls of during my labor, um, they had found in my pantry and brought it in and then were feeding me that. But then like after I gave birth, they just went into my kitchen, found some eggs, cooked me up some eggs. And then my husband was feeding them to me while I was snuggling my new baby. And I was like, huh, this is the life. That's how it should be. It's how it should be. Yeah, I was like, because, you know, beforehand, we had planned for hospital. So I got these like cute little bags to pack for the hospital. And I was like, I get a coming home outfit for him or her. You know, I had a boy option and a girl option and all this stuff for hospital. It was like, I didn't have to pack anything. It's all right here. Yeah, you just get to stay home and enjoy it. Yeah, and they weighed him in this little sling thing that was super cute. And uh, he had his first poop, like, right, like, I have a picture. I don't know why I took a picture of his poopy diaper, but I did. (laughs) And I have a picture of his little meconium poop. And um, yeah, he, he got looked over and everything was great. And I just sat there, my husband was feeding me eggs in bed and had my own bed and my own pillow, my own blanket. So it was like any of the smells that that uh, he was smelling right away, it was like home. You know, any sensory things that he was experiencing was all home. Not like a an operating room or anything like strange. Right. So that, so that was cool. That's very cool. Oh, that's so awesome. I haven't had a ton of, I think I have two other moms who have had breach mm-hmm. VBACs at home, but there's not, I mean, this is just such a unique story and I'm so glad that you were willing to share it because I know that there's other women out there who are in these same situations. And I've had a lot of moms on that have had their C-sections because of a breech baby. So just Mm -hmm. getting these stories out there and letting women know that it is possible to have a breech baby at home, whether it's Mm -hmm. your first baby or your second and you haven't had a C-section or it's after a Mm C-section, it's very possible. It's just that they don't, they don't teach providers in the hospital how to handle breach deliveries anymore. So finding a provider who is skilled in that and able to support that is usually the hardest part just because yes, it's not yes. taught. Right. There's starting to be more and more, I think. And honestly, I think during the pandemic, everybody's been home more and living more sedentary lifestyles. I think her name is Gail Tully, the spinning ladies, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, did I say spinning babies lady? You said or spinning I... ladies baby. <laughs> but I knew what I knew what you meant. <laughs> I was like, wait, what did I just say? <laughs> Hashtag mom brain. Um, the spinning babies lady. <laughs> um, she's and I kind of agree. I think if there's gonna be a situation where there's gonna be an increase in um breach babies because we're not watching our posture as much at home and and stuff like that's gonna play a big part in possibly more breech babies emerging so um but yeah you know like there's no shame in a c-section and there's no shame in someone who chooses that i 
honestly, like for me, it's just, I just wanted the choice. I just wanted the chance to let my body try the thing that it was made for. And like, I fully um, support and acknowledge a mother's right to choose what type of birth that she's most comfortable with, if that can be an option. You know, there are circumstances where surgery can save a mother or a baby or both. And like, those are exceptional circumstances. And I completely understand that. But for me, this was just a matter of, I didn't know. They, they made the mistake with my first birth and telling me that my baby was oh, your baby's head down, she's ready to go. But after the fact, they're like, no, your baby's been like this for weeks. And when I looked back at the 24-week ultrasound that I had with her, she was breached at that time. So she had, they said that she was, they made the comment that she was like that for quote unquote, a while. So um, they made the mistake and thought they were feeling her head when they were feeling her butt. And if I would have known that I could have asked them to verify via ultrasound there at the end, I would have. That there's things that I could ask for or question. Um, now, now I know that if this were a circumstance again where I could find out, like, okay, if you're not 100% sure that this is what's going on, then we need to find out. So, like, now just like, and there's stuff to be informed about that I didn't even know to inform myself about, if that makes sense. Yeah. You don't like know how the questions do you know? to ask sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. You just, it's like until you go through something. So like, literally, I just want to stress to anybody who had a similar circumstance to me that like, I mean, you did the best you could with like what knowledge you had at the time and that's all you can do. And there's no shame in, in having a C-section or choosing a C-section. But like for me, this breach birth was so validating and so freeing and like, it, it was kind of like, honestly, like with the way my doctors and everything in that practice had treated me, it's almost like my middle finger back at them. Like, like, yeah, like you guys did this and made me so, made me so crazy at the end. And like, everything was great. Everything's fine. You know, like I told you so basically they should have not looked down on me so much for asking questions or wanting choices. I just, like I said, as women doctors, I couldn't believe they behaved that way. So like <clears throat> in the future too, even with like my children's pediatricians, like if I'm asking questions and they're making me feel bad about it, like it's time to find someone else then. Definitely. I think that's a big red flag and just something that often gets overlooked because we you put we, so much trust there, right? There's so much trust there. And like, you just, you, you take them at their word and, and they take that, they take advantage of that. I mean, I'm not going to say a blanket statement, like they all do it, but I mean, they're with how many people that I have read online have this issue. Um, it's a big problem. This leads perfectly into the last question that I always like to ask all of the moms that I have on. And that is if there is something that you would want other moms to know or other moms in a similar circumstance to be aware of something that you've learned over your journey or just advice that you have and I know you've already mentioned a lot so if if there's anything else that you haven't mentioned just sure. what would that be or what would the message be that you want to get out there I know that we live in a crazy time where there's a lot of misinformation out there on the internet but the internet isn't all evil either 
Um, if you pick your sources wisely, you can educate yourself. I had watched as many as I could squeeze in there at the end, um, educating myself on breach natural births because you just you just never know what circumstance you might come upon within your own birthing journey. Um, but I, as much as you can, educating yourself and surrounding yourself with providers and support people who um, support your vision for what you want your birth to look like. There was a time in the end where I just had to stop talking about it to certain people because uh, it was causing me more stress than not. Um, I had to be careful who I mentioned what to because I, I just needed support. I didn't need to hear anything else. I already had enough bullying and whatever from the doctors that I didn't need anything but support. So educating yourself and surrounding yourself with support um, and supportive people. Oh, somebody woke up from a nap. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much just for being willing to share your story and get it out there yeah. and just share everything that you learned along the way too. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you asking me. And, you know, if, if honestly, like if there's anybody that wanted to reach out to me for any other questions, I'm open to that too. Um, because nobody should should feel like I felt in the position that I was in towards the end of my pregnancy. It should be like a peaceful and exciting time, not at all what I was experiencing. I don't want that for anybody. So um, I've been really trying to find ways to help that situation by being an active member on these Facebook support groups that I'm in and everything like that. So um, I'm, I'm open to helping however I can because nobody should feel like that. Well, thank you. I know that that will go, that'll be very appreciated. And I know that this story is, someone's going to come across it and be like, oh my gosh, she had a breach home birth. Why can't I have a breach home birth? Why can't I learn all of these things? Why can't I do this research? And why can't this be an option for me? Yeah. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.